0: Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shereyko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shereyko. Welcome. I'm Susan
1: Shereyko. And I'm delighted to have you join me today as we spend some time with a woman who lives with a condition that many people would call a disaster. However, our guest has faced this situation head-on, deciding to take a stand to take to help herself and others. She is courageous, funny, well-in, an excellent author and speaker, Pam Fitros lives with alopecia universalis, which is an autoimmune disorder that attacks all body hair, causing it to fall out and preventing its regrowth. She's also a cancer survivor, and using her experiences, she became a best-selling author of Boldly Bald Women, for women who struggle with emotional and social, social impacts of hair loss. In her book, Pam pieced together the stories of 25 women who face similar challenges and may, turned it into this comforting quilt of acceptance, understanding, courage, and hope. It contains practical advice from bald women to other women who are coping with hair loss, their spouses, significant others, family members, teachers, employers, coworkers, uh, you know, just about anyone who may have a relationship with anyone who is dealing with hair loss. In the way of background, Pam studied psychology at Western Michigan University. She's married and lived for 10 years in Greece with her husband and his Greek family so that she became fluent in modern Greek. She loves cooking Greek cuisine. They have two grown children and one granddaughter. Pam and her husband, who she affectionately calls Mike the Greek, live in Western Michigan with two dogs and two saucy, sassy parakeets. So I'm happy to say that I get to speak with Pam on a regular basis, and I've gotten to know how delightful and supportive and caring she is to everyone. She is truly a mentor by nature. So if you were here with us, I'd ask you to put your hands together to welcome Pam
0: Fitros. Hello, Pam. Well, hello. What can I say after such an introduction? I'm (laughs) touched and honored and really surprised.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are honored to have you here, Pam, and it really is. Everything I say is true about you, so I'm, oh, thank I'm delighted you. that mm-hmm. you've come to share. Um, I'm really happy you're talking about this subject because I think that your experience resonates with all sorts of situations. And it's, it's a situation that touches our self-image, in which also happens to everyone who goes through a disaster, as well as the lifestyle we've created for ourselves. Um, we, they, they are destroyed in a flash. And so I think it's, it's always comforting to hear where someone else has dealt with something and come through on the other side in a positive way. So um, let's get right to your experiences. Where were you when this all began? How did you first become aware that this disorder was affecting you? And how did you respond to it? Well, it
0: started with um, ovarian cancer. Um, <clears throat> I had thought that I would probably have chemo and radiation, but it turned out I was one of a very small, less percentage of women who don't have to have radiation or chemo for ovarian cancer. And I made a clip. I said, "Well." how am I going to know what it's like to be Mrs. Clean? Well, I don't know if you have that out on the West Coast, but on the, on, in Michigan we have a, a cartoon character called Mr. Clean, and he's, he has he, his whole purpose is to show a very powerful cleaner. And I thought, hmm, I get to be Mrs. Clean. How am I going to know what it's like if I don't have radiation or chemo? Well, you got to be careful what you ask for, even what you throw out there unintentionally. A mm-hmm. couple years later, I ended, up, I ended up with alopecia universalis. Now, there's many forms of alopecia. There's alopecia areata, which is just little spots on your head that sometimes grow back, often grow back. Um, and there's alopecia totalis, which is where your whole head, the hair in your head falls off, and sometimes your eyebrows and your eyelashes. And then there is the the universalis, which I have. And I have lost all body hair. And you were talking about how the the disasters can happen in a flash. Well, this happened over a period of, of a couple of weeks. And I would find hair on my pillow in the morning and I'd wash my hair in the shower, and it, and it would just—it was coming out by the gobsmills. The shower drain would be would be clogged up, and it, and it just every day there was more space on my head. The whole areas were, were just getting out of their their camp and leaving, just leaving, just leaving my head and my body. And I didn't really realize that the body hair was gone until after my eyebrows and my eyelashes fell out because I was so concentrated on, on, the, on the hair. Well, the first time you look at yourself in a mirror, when you have no hair, after you've lived, I think for me it was about 60 years with hair. It looks like an alien has invaded your space. You're looking at a totally foreign landscape. How people see you is different. I went to see a a, a friend of mine who had been a friend of mine for 25 years, and I went to her house. Uh, her paper was on the on the porch, on the floor, on the on the cement. So I picked it up and I knocked on her door, and she came to the door. She hadn't seen me uh, without with the hair loss, and um, she looked at me and she opened the door and she said, "Thank you for the paper," and I said, well, are you going to invite me in? And she looked at me kind of funny and and she said, well, I suppose I could. Are you the new paper boy? Oh Oh my God. (laughs) What was that like for her? (laughs) And she realized it. Oh my God. When she realized it, she said, oh my God, is the cancer back? And I said, no, no, honey, the cancer's not back. I'm I'm all done with that. This is alopecia universalis. Yeah. And um, she was kissing my head and patting my head and feeling so badly. But it just made me, I just laughed so hard. And that's when she recognized me. She recognized me from the laughter. Wow. wow. So it, it was just, it was so funny. It was so funny. From from being her best friend of 25 years, I turned into the strange paper boy just because I lost my hair.
1: Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> well, this is. I mean, but when that started happening to you, what did you do? I mean, I I know that uh, a, a typical reaction would be to run and hide and never come outside again. But um, did you do that or did you um, find out? How
0: did you, how did you cope with it? Well, I thought about it because I saw that my bald head was making other people uncomfortable mm-hmm. my um my family were shocked, uh, especially my sister. We had just lost my brother to a heart attack, mm. and so my sister and I are the only ones that are left in our in our um in our family at this point in our nuclear family she when I took off the wig, I, I, I went, well, first, let, let me back up a minute. First, I t- went to with another dear friend, and we were going to go out for, movie in a, uh, for lunch in a movie. And she took one look at me, and she said, oh, no, we're not going out for lunch in a movie, Pam. We're going out for lunch in a wig shop. Mm. I've seen dogs with mange look better than your head does. Wow. And again, I laughed because I know she loves me. Mm-hmm. And there was no question of, of that there was, there was a rejection. It was just, oh, no, we have to do something about this. So we had lunch, and we kind of fortified ourselves with a piece of Snickers pie. And then we went to the wig shop, and I tried on all sorts of wigs. And I had a blast trying on wigs. And the few little wisps of hair that were left, I said, well, okay, let's shave those because there's no point in having them under a wig. So we shaved the rest of my hair, and I came home with a wig. But I looked in the mirror, and it was even stranger than it was when I had no hair. I looked at this person in the the mirror in my house, and it was awful. I hated it. But I thought, well, okay, I can do this so that other people are comfortable. I can do this. And then the wig got hot, and I started to sweat. And my head itched, and I got yeast infections. And I was always worried about where was the wig going to be if it caught on somebody's earring or it caught on their glasses when I was giving them a hug. I would sit in my chair at work and and my boss would look over my shoulder and I'd look up at him to listen to what he was saying. And the and the, and the wig would pop up like an instant 60s helmet hair bouffant. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd smash it back down on my head again, which... Needless to say, did not look very professional. I always had to worry before I went to meetings. I always had to stop in the bathroom and try and repair my makeup that had dribbled on my face, like like the Mississippi River going to the Delta on my chin. It, it was awful. It was just, it was awful. And I, I talked to my sister. I said, Diane, I said, I, I don't think I can do this. I said, "Look at my head." And I took it off, and she said, "Oh, I can't look. I can't look. I can't look." And and I said, "But you have to see this." And I got it took 3 paper towels to sop up the sweat that was on my head under that under that wig. And I, and the medication that I had to put on my head for the yeast infections made it even hotter underneath there because there was nothing that was coming out. It was all medicated up Mm -hmm. and she said i I can't look at you like that i can't look at you like that i said well if you can't look at me like that sister then you're going to have to figure out what you're going to do well she said you can make hats you can wear hats i said you want me to wear hats you're going to have to make them well she's an expert at crocheting and knitting and so doggone if she didn't come up with fedora crocheted hats Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. patterns uh-huh. and made me a whole bunch of really lovely hats that that I still wear sometimes in the winter if my head gets cold but even those it was the sweating was awful and finally I looked at her and I said Diane I think we both realize that I can no longer take care of your comfort at the expense of mine you are going to have to figure out how you can how you can live with my bald head because I can't live this kind of life anymore.
1: Now you were you were um, a lot of this is very physical, what you've just described. But what were you feeling? I mean, how did this all make you feel at that point in time?
0: Well, I think I was feeling mostly okay, other than the physical issues, until my boss told me that he wanted me to resign. Um, He wanted me to resign because now not only was I fat and I was 20 pounds thinner than I was when he hired me, but now I was bald and that was not the ambiance that he wanted for his office. And there is, I I sat there and I listened to him say that. And he said, I don't want you to go through um, the, the office. I just want you to resign to me. And I thought, why is he saying that? He why doesn't he want me to go through human resources? And this man was a minister, and he he was not in a ministerial position. But he, I, I couldn't understand. And I just sat there. I'm sure that surprised you a I was absolutely stunned. I was just, I was stunned. I was hurt. I I was in shock. And I said, well, you know, I have to think about this. I have a rule that I don't make any decisions for 24 to 48 hours from the time that, that I need to make them. And so I said, I'll get back to you. Well, he was all excited because he thought that meant I was gonna, I was gonna do that. But I didn't. I did some research and I found out that there is no, there is no help there is no protection under the Americans with Disability Act for women who have lost their hair. Men who've lost their hair don't need it, but women—it's a different story. And and um, but he had told me that I was fat, and there is protection under the Americans with Disabilities Act for that. So I went to his boss, and I told him what he had done, and. Um, I said, this is wrong. Well, in the end, after trying a different job, they did have to. They checked with their attorneys, and, and uh, they did have to put me in a different position, but I was in a position that I didn't know anything about. I had never been trained for it, mm-hmm. and I was miserable. I was just miserable. So my husband and I talked about it, and I just decided that um, uh, I was going to retire at 60. So that's what I did. I came home and I retired. And um, But what happened was that I got angry. I I felt so darn angry. How dare he? How dare he judge me because of whether I had hair on my head or not? He never would have done that to a bald man. Never. It never would have happened. It wouldn't have even been a consideration. And the angrier I got, the more I decided that I'm not the only one out there. There are millions of women who have alopecia. There, there are, at any one time, 2% of the population are, are showing some signs of alopecia, and, and up to 7%. Of people can have alopecia. Now, you can't quote me on that, on that because I'm not 100% sure of that, um, statistic anymore. Things are changing rapidly. But I know that I'm not the only one, and yet I was the only woman walking around my city. Bald. I looked. I searched. I checked people in cars. I checked all over. No other woman in my city was going
1: bald well let me backtrack just a minute then because when i when when you were talking earlier you know you asked your sister to understand that you were going to have to give up on the hats and the wigs and all those things and that you couldn't live by her standards but um what actually what gave you the courage to actually stop wearing the wigs
0: oh that's a cute story that's a cute story um the more I wore the wigs, the more miserable I got. The more miserable I got, the less like myself I became. Um, I worked in a in a retirement home with with um, a lot of elderly people, and um, I was always I was always the one that was cheerful and huggy and hello, how are you? And give me a hug and 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 people would I could see their faces light up because I touched them. I talked to them. I smiled at them. I wanted a hug from them. They wanted to give me a hug. And and um, the the more the more uncomfortable and miserable I got, the less I hugged, the more I withdrew. Um, the less I smiled. And finally one day one woman looked at me and she said, "Pam, what's the matter with you? Something's the matter with you. You're not yourself." You're not smiling. You're not giving us hugs. What's the matter? And so I said, I've lost all my hair, and I'm wearing this wig, and I'm miserable, and it's hot, and it's sweaty, and I'm afraid to give you guys hugs because, because maybe my wig will get caught on, the, on your earrings or your pins and your glasses, and, and it'll come off, and I don't want to have you be unhappy because I'm bald. Now, this woman was in her late 80s, and she, she walked with a walker. And she looked at me. She was, you know, about maybe, maybe five feet away from me when she asked me that question. Mm-hmm. And she took her walker, cussunk, 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 one step closer at a time, until she got right up into my face. And she looked at me, and she said, in what she thought was a whisper. So take the damn thing off! (laughs) Well, she was pretty deaf, and all the rest of the women in the coffee shop saw that. And it was really kind of funny, because all the women were nodding, yes, take it off. And the two men who were in there were shaking their heads, no, don't take it off! (laughs) (laughs) You <laughs> know, interesting. And so I did. I did. I thought if these women, you know, my thought was that they would be, because when you go into a retirement home and you get into assisted living, and nursing care, you know that there's not a whole lot of future ahead, mm-hmm. and and I was afraid that my lack of hair would bring their mortality right smack in their face every day. And I didn't want to do that to them. But once I realized that they would rather have real hugs than fake hair, that's all I needed. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was the last time I ever wore a wig. Yeah. You know,
1: I, I find it interesting because between that story and what your boss did to you and your reaction to it. I really feel as if you, you at that point were on a hero's journey. You had, you had a choice in that moment to either fall into despair and cave in and die or change direction. And that's what you chose to do. I mean, I think you've you started a movement.
0: Well, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, I would have died, not physically, but I would have died emotionally because I'm such an extrovert. And, I'm, and I, am, I am such a, a people person. And thinking that I couldn't be myself around the people that I cared about was just, it, it was killing me. It was, mm-hmm. it was emotionally, I was shutting down. I was getting depressed, and I thought, no, 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 no. I'm not now I noticed. Myself. I noticed three things in
1: this, Pam, and having spoken with you about this, the first word that really struck me was acceptance, that you had to transform yourself first. I did. And I'm just curious, what did you do? To accept yourself what what proved helpful in making that change
0: I think it was the anger that I felt that anger was a catalyst for me to evaluate what was going on in my life and what exactly made me a valuable person was it my hair no it wasn't my hair and so the anger the anger was the catalyst for the evaluation. And when I honestly evaluated my life and the value of my life, recognizing that in my belief system we are all unique and we are all here for a reason. There's a reason why we're here. And these, these disasters, these obstacles, I have come to believe that they're not really obstacles. They're not really disasters. They are opportunities for us to break out of the shell of where we are now and let in something else, grow into the soil of the disaster and use it as as the nutrition that we need to go to the next level that we need to go to to fulfill our potential on this earth. And and so the acceptance came with the evaluation and realigning my self-concept with my core values.
1: Very cool. I think that's an important lesson. Now, I noticed that um, you talk, first of all, about making other people comfortable. You talk a lot about kids and parents and, you know, our social, you know, how we interact socially, at least at that level. Could you share a couple of those, those stories that, that they really say a great deal?
0: Oh, let me think. I'm I'm trying. Do you have one in in mind? I do have one in mind about parents who are shushing their kids. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. I've got a couple that I can tell you. One is about a little girl who was in who was in the store, and she was in her in her mother's shopping cart in that little seat, and she was probably about maybe maybe three or four. And she took a look at me as I was walking my cart down the street and, and, or down the, the aisle. And she said, she, her, she didn't say anything, but her eyes filled up with tears. She looked at me and her eyes just filled up with tears. And I thought, uh-oh, this isn't good. So I caught up to him and I said, honey, I said, I said, you're looking at my head. Did you notice that I don't have any hair? And her mom was like, oh, I'm so sorry, oh, I'm so sorry, oh, and, and tried to get her to, to be quiet. And I said, no, no, please, please please let her share. She's having an emotional experience here, and, and let's get it out so that she can deal with it. And she said, I know why, you're, why your hair is out. And I said, well, why is my hair out? You're going to die. And then her mother came over and she said, really, I'm so sorry. She just she had a little friend that she was her best friend and she just died of cancer. And the last time she saw her, she had no hair. And so I, I got down to her level and I said, sweetheart, there are some people who are sick when they don't have hair, but there's other people. I'm not sick at all. My, my head... Just thinks that my hair is the bad guys, and doesn't want them to live on my head. But I'm not sick, and I'm and I'm not going to die. And and I said I want you to know that every person that you see who has no hair on their head, it doesn't mean that they're going to die, okay? And she reached out and gave me a hug, and she said thank you. And, and that, I mean, that was it. But the parents, they, they try and keep their kids quiet or, and I always catch up with them and I say, did you notice? Did you notice I don't have any hair? Did you notice? Mm -hmm. And, um. Well,
1: didn't uh, you have this happen? And you, you started doing, um, assemblies for kids too. Yes,
0: yes. One day when I brought my granddaughter, uh, to her kindergarten class, It was the first time that I brought her to her class, and the children were, it was still kind of early in the year, and and the children were looking at me, and you could see the ones who had been told, don't say anything, Mm -hmm. and they would just look, and you could see the ones who were told, it's not polite to stare, so they'd make a quick glance and glance away and glance and glance away, and then there was one cute little boy who came up to me, and he looked at me real hard. He was, he was had to be just on the shy side of just just five and he looked at me and he said hey lady do you know you're bald I said what (laughs) I am who took my hair did you take my hair (laughs) And he he put his hands in his pocket and he kind of shuffled his feet and he looked down and he said no lady I didn't take your hair and he just kind of slunk away and I looked down at, and I was laughing, but I looked down at my granddaughter, and she looked embarrassed and uncomfortable. Hmm. And I thought, oh, we have to do something about this. So I dropped her off at her class, and then I went back to the office, and I said, you know, we need an assembly about about people without hair. And um, by golly, they gave me an assembly. And so I ended up talking to the entire to the entire school about that. And I had Jordan stand up and say, Jordan, what's the matter that I don't have any hair? What do I have? She said, my yaya has alopecia. And all the kids giggled. And I said, can you guys say that? Alopecia. Giggle, 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 sha. And all of those children had such a good time talking about it and laughing about it and because I was open about it and because Jordan was was at a point where she could talk about it openly as well. They started saying, well, my mom doesn't have any hair. She's going through chemo and my mom has spots on her head and and um, my mom had braids on her hair and her hair fell out and, and now she doesn't have any hair. All different things came up. All different things came up from those kids and after that assembly um, when I would occasionally bring Jordan to school the kids would say hi Jordan's yeah yeah we know you you have alopee giggle 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 sha. <laughs> and this this thing about telling stories and about and about making breakthroughs in your own self-evaluation of your own worth, and coming to the conclusion that it doesn't matter what's going on, you still have worth and value. When you tell your story with courage and with authenticity, it impacts people. There is a change in perspective. The next year when Jordan was in first grade, I would occasionally bring her to school, and I still got... Hi, I know you. You're mm-hmm. Jordan's, Yaya, yeah, yeah, and you have alopecia. And I would smile and say, and I know you. You were in the assembly. Mm-hmm. They remembered over the course of the summer and into the next year, which tells me those kids will remember about alopecia all their lives, and it will impact every single person that they come in contact with who has a problem with hair loss, and there are many of us.
1: hmm well, you also, I think the third thing I noticed is that you took the time to find other people who had the same issues and and g- attend conferences and made new friends and that sort of thing. Um, and that's how you, you know, I, I think you ran into people. What the, I think you told me the story of a, a black woman that you ran into in the street one day. And you had this great moment together uh, as you, uh, you know, as you,
0: shared the fact or shared the fact that you both
1: were bald at that point in time.
0: Oh, it was that was funny. That was when I was bringing my husband to the airport. And um I walked in. I was walking in behind him. He'd gotten his suitcases in there and I was walking in behind him and this beautiful black woman who was also heavy like I am, but just exquisitely beautiful and bald. And she said she walked out of a out of the um, airport door while I was walking in, and she said, "Hey, I love your bald. You're rocking it, lady." And I said, "Shine on, sister. Shine on. You know." And it was like a moment of, "Here we are. We're not alone." And I think that was the hardest part about the baldness in the first place was that I felt so alone, and I didn't because I didn't see anybody else because I didn't know anybody else. Um, I went online and I found online groups. uh, AlopeciaWorld.com is one, and Alopecia Areata on Facebook is another one. Um, International Alopecia Day. I went to the National Alopecia Areata Foundation Conference. uh, I, I went to two of them, one in Indiana and one in St. Louis. And through those groups, I found other women who felt the same way that I did, that we don't have to hide in order to maintain our value and that we really like the bald. I mean, I really like being bald. When I'm hot now, all I have to do is is dunk my head under the faucet. In fact, when my husband and I were taking a trip, um, it was a hot day and and I was getting sleepy and we still had a ways to go, so we stopped at a rest stop. And um, I went into the bathroom, and I had my head under the faucet when a woman walked in to to use the bathroom. And, you know, in Michigan, the, the rest stop bathrooms are beautiful. They're just beautiful. And And so she walked in, and she stopped dead still. And I said, there are some advantages to not having hair on a hot day. And I went over and I looked for the paper towel. No paper towels. It was only that machine that that is that oh. has the turbo air, yes. you know, yes. that, that okay. makes your skin fly off your bones. Yes. Right. And <laughs> so I put my head under that, and <laughs> my teeth fly off. <laughs> and I just laughed. But I walked out of there, and she, you know, she didn't have anything to say. But you could see how startled she was. She was. Yes. And yet, I was not so comfortable expected. with it that I didn't care, you know? Yes. I didn't care. I just didn't care. But those yes. women that I met, um, we had contact back and forth and back and forth. And I thought, you know, we gotta get this out there. And the only way we can get this out there is to get a bunch of us together and share our stories. So I sent out interviews and I asked the women, uh, to, to answer, to answer the questions, the questionnaires. I sent out the questionnaires, not the interviews. And um, uh, I put all of their responses into I, I rewove them into chapters on different topics, and um, and published that book. And it became uh, an Amazon bestseller. Mm-hmm. And it is and, and this, what makes it so joyous for me is that there was one Japanese girl who rode on the fast Japanese train to a, to a village on the other side of Japan. It took her two hours to get there and two hours to get back to translate one chapter a time, at a time to a group of Japanese village women who had alopecia but didn't speak English and couldn't read the book themselves.
1: Oh, how beautiful. Mm-hmm. And
0: another woman from China who wrote to tell me how grateful she was for the book and how that how the book introduced her to a whole world of other people that she could contact. And um, year after year after year, the people get together at these um, National Alopecia Areata Foundation conferences, and we take over a, a hotel, like a Hilton hotel. and it, it, it's so funny because, there are more bald people than there are people with hair, and it makes the people with hair really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, <not> <laughs> you're, the, you're the minority. <laughs> oh, and, and sometimes that's the only place that those women will take their, their hair coverings off is for that conference
1: yes. where uh, they
0: know that they're not alone and they're accepted.
1: You know, Pam, I know that you have. Um, you believe that you can be the po- positive change uh, that you want to see in the world, but that's, that's a quote that you use. And
0: So where are mm-hmm. you
1: now? What are you doing now?
0: Well, I thought, okay, I've written my book. I guess I'm done. Oh, no. Oh, no. For anyone out there who plans to write a book, writing the book is the easy part. After you write the book, is when you have to come to a a crossroads of what are you going to do. Because if you write a book, but you don't find a way to get it out to people, how's it ever going to help anybody? What good is Mm -hmm. it doing? Mm -hmm. So I have come to the conclusion that um, I I am now 64, almost 65, and I have come to the conclusion that I have to have a business in order to in order to get this book out. I always thought marketing was a terrible thing to do. That that I was I was asking people to gimme, gimme, gimme. But what I have come to realize is that I've had a life changing experience that can impact on that can impact positively on many other women and their families and many children. But if I don't get it out there, I can't help. And if I won't market it i can't get it out there so i have started a a podcast i'm in i will be launching that probably in the first week or the second week of june Um, it's called boldly bald women how to survive and thrive in a hair-obsessed world and i'll be talking about uh, topics uh, with women who are bald uh, with with men Just anybody who has anything to do with the change that takes place when you have that kind of a personal disaster and you have to find a way through it to get to the next level of growth so that you don't get stuck in the mire and the muck and get depressed and just cave in on yourself and stop living. We can make this world a whole better place if those of us who go through something terrible will simply share our story courageously and with authenticity. To tell other people, this is what happened, this is how I coped with it, and this is what it it has done for me. Now I look at alopecia as a blessing. It's a blessing. Having that happen to me was one of the coolest things that ever happened. If they found today a cure for it, I'd say, thank you. No, I'm happy the way I am. I like this. I'm comfortable with myself. I don't need to change myself to, to be in line with the standards of our hair-obsessed world. I don't need to do it. Mm. And, and so I am beginning to do more speaking. I'm opening up my calendar to, uh, to people who want to book me for speaking. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be speaking in the fall to more schools. (coughs) I'm going to be speaking in the fall to more schools. And I'm hoping that I can speak to uh, people who have had cancer, women who are going through chemo, because it doesn't make any difference why you lose your hair. The impact, the emotional impact, and the social impact of hair loss is the same no matter what the cause that's,
1: that's absolutely right yes so
0: pam we have we've had a
1: wonderful conversation here i've learned so much and i think everyone listening has too um i'd like to tell them they can all learn more uh, by going to your your website uh what is that that website
0: um, www.boldlybaldwomen.com that's b o l d l y B A L D Women dot com.
1: And I know I took a quick look at it. I know you provide some free tips along with resources to help other people come to grips with this condition uh, as well, and, and also other illnesses that I didn't even realize uh, were affected with hair loss, such as lup- lupus. Mm-hmm. I didn't know yep. people with lupus had that. Uh, yep. And I think there's information on how to get your book there uh, Boldly yep. Bald Women. Yes, and now I I generally have an exercise that I where I ask people to do something at the close of each one of my episodes, and uh, this this week I'd like everyone to journal about what's stopping them. Uh, you, you you could have let the social stigma that you felt was attached to to uh, being bald stop you, but you didn't. And so I'd like people to look at what's stopping them. Is it something that's based on social mores or what's in and faddish at the moment instead of really looking at their inner self the way that you did? So if everyone will grab a piece of paper or pull down their journal and draw a line down the center of a page, on the left I'd like you to write down any paradigms. Those are thought habits that get in your way. And they can be social constraints. They can be the way you've done things in the past. And they they are stopping you in some way. And then on the right side, take a moment to think about it and write down how you would prefer it to be. And then I'd like you to craft a question, a positive why question. Why am I able to, and fill in the end of that sentence or question, with your preference. This technique is called Affirmations. It's the term coined by Noah St. John, who has appeared on this show before, and is a very, very powerful way of getting your subconscious mind to provide you with incredible solutions to problems. Uh, Pam, you've had a little experience with affirmations. I know you discovered it recently. Um, Can you suggest any positive or helpful questions that uh, you've used for yourself?
0: Yes. Yes, I can. One of the questions that I that I learned to ask myself is, why am I so happy taking care of myself well?
1: Mm-hmm. Boy, that's one for all of us. Why am I taking such good care of myself
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why am I so happy taking such good care of myself? Why is it so easy to take care of myself? Why is it so easy to be strong? Mm -hmm. Why is it so easy to be patient as I go through this? Why am I finding the resources I need to get through this?
1: Those are powerful affirmations. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. That. You're welcome. And thank you for joining me today, Pam. Uh, I'm I'm sure our listeners resonate with your experiences as they begin to rebuild their own lives after a big loss. And that can be physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. So it's good to hear how you have faced this head-on and made such strides. Uh, remember, success is the continual act of deciding to take actions that move you toward the creation of what you desire. You can choose rainbows over ruins. You can move from disaster to prosperity. So until the next time, thanks for joining me on your journey to rebuild your life. Have a great day.
0: Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverrunes.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shireko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, Sharing the Journeys of Those Affected by Sudden and Great Loss, and What They Did to Heal, Rebuild, and Where They Are Now.